your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Okay, today we're going to be talking about givers and pleasers running on empty. You know, the givers and pleasers, it, there's such a, a struggle. You know, when you hear somebody always say, oh, well, I'm a giver or I'm a pleaser, that's a big red flag. It's a big red flag because it's a person that doesn't have balance in their life. They have a lack of boundaries, and they're broadcasting that they have a low self-esteem, and I don't think any of them want to do that. But I think that they feel that that is what it is to live, is to give. And... Uh, Oh, that's great. But, you know, my my grandma once said, and it was a beautiful phrase, she said, you never ask somebody for more than they have to give, number one. And and the other thing is, she said, is you have to give to yourself in order to give to other people. And so, unfortunately, givers and pleasers will just constantly give of themselves without uh, boundaries and uh, and then eventually build up a resentment for the very people who are taking advantage for them because they at some point need praise at they some point they need energy at some point they need to someone to give to them and uh, everybody they surround themselves with unfortunately and it is the giver's fault at least 50% if not more is that they allow these people to take advantage of them so giving for the wrong reasons can be detrimental to both your relationship and your self esteem so you know a people People often report that they feel as though they give and give and receive little in return. You know, generous giving comes from a generous place, which implies that you have taken care of your own needs and can put forth energy towards others. And it comes from a full heart. You know, overgiving, on the other hand, is not the ultimate form of selflessness. Instead, it essentially comes from an inability to receive. And that means you give, give, give. Because you think or hope it will be appreciated or because it makes you feel good about yourself or because you feel morally obligated to do that. And the truth is, if you're unable to take in love, attention, or help from others and accept it completely, you are giving from an empty place. So think about your relationships and try to be honest whether your giving is from a generous place or a depleted one. You know, generous giving feels light and joyful. Overgiving feels burdensome because it is one-way flow of energy. And, and you know, when you want to consider the following, you know, uh, it, to help you determine whether you might be giving too much. You know, if it, it, it feels good and important for you to be the giver in almost every relationship, and if you notice that, that tells you you're a giver. And if you feel guilty when someone gives you something. Also, you put the needs of others before your own. Or you apologize excessively if you're not able to give the way you would like to. Or you avoid uh, or are uncomfortable at the thought of asking someone for something. Or if, if you've considered the possibility that your giving could be the result of some insecurity. Or maybe you find that you give because you want to feel loved, liked, and admired. 
that means you have to earn it from people. You can't just receive it for who you are. So if, if you've identified you know, yourself as an overgiver or can relate to any of these examples of overgiving, you're probably feeling exhausted. You're probably sacrificing your needs on behalf of others, and it's, it's an unsustainable state for you. So if you're not sure whether to give for the right reasons, it's likely that your giving is based on negativity of some sort. You know, do you know that that feeling when when somebody gives you an approach, uh, appropriate intimate or generous gift? Do, do you know do you know uncomfortable it feels when it is unjustified or, or plain awkward? It it feels at that moment that it was a way more for them than it is for you. And that's not a good thing. Keep in mind that if you're tempted to give from a place or need rather than a generosity of spirit, there's a problem. You know, it's a self-sabotage. And so here's some uh, ways that overgiving can self-sabotage. You know, isn't it funny how you seem to attract the wrong people? Do, do you find that you're surrounded by people seeking to exploit you in some way or take advantage of your good nature? Uh, or, or maybe you're uh, working too hard. The balance is off. Most people can tell and they can feel when you're giving from a place of pressured desire for something in return rather than an open and kind heart. And also it can lead to detrimental sense of entitlement. You know, I gave this to you, so now you owe me, but we never communicate that. And so um, also, you know, in a worst case scenario, you may end up not extending your best effort to your partner or a relationship because you can't, because you're exhausted or you don't want to, or you're angry and resentful. And, and it will increase the likelihood that you will feel disappointed, take advantage of, and constantly frustrated. That's because it's, it's basic depression, guys. And that's because you're just sitting there living with expectations that you're not communicating. And, and once again, if we want to alleviate depression, we turn those into preferences and we do communicate them because preferences don't have, they're not going to offend. You're just telling someone what you would prefer. You know, sometimes overdoing can be a futile attempt to overload the other side in hopes of reciprocated attention. You know, if I give and give again, surely I will get something back for this. But if it backfires, though, you'll feel undervalued and underappreciated and don't set yourself up for that. So, you know, we're going to talk about how to solve this problem, but we have to identify the problem too, and that's what we're going to do now. You know, some warning signs of overgiving becoming a problem is maybe you continue to give in situations that leave you feeling empty emotionally, or you're feeling alone in your relationship and barely able to take care of your own emotional needs. Or Another warning sign that overgiving is taking place is, is you're afraid that if you stop excessive giving, your partner may be unhappy or admit that they are more interested in something other than you. Or you're afraid that if you stop giving, your partner will leave. Or if you're giving your partner instead of communicating what you need and how you feel, you're just giving way too much. If you identify with any of these warning signs, your overgiving is not helping. It's keeping you in a relationship that well. Whether you know it or not, it's not feeling good to you. And it's time to call this attention from, to your partner through serious conversation and hopefully with the help of a mediator like a therapist. Because this kind of dialogue, you're probably not too good at since you are an overgiver. 
you know, to offset this inclination to overgive, start thinking in terms of what you are actually doing. You know, a, a bit of honest introspection is very much called for. Most overgivers have exceptionally kind hearts and are incredibly caring by nature. And that's the good part. The trouble comes when you have difficulty setting limits and attain ego satisfaction or personal gratification from others seeing how gracious you are. You know, you want to think about this. If this is something you find yourself wrapped up in across the board at work, in the neighborhood, with your friends, you might want to practice delegating as an attempt to release yourself from the tendency to overgive. So, you know, let's look at some of the categories of people out there and how these transactions can take place. Now, there's the givers. Givers' primarily motivation is to take care of others. They, they make sure others are well. They contribute to others and society. And in a relationship, they're always thinking about gifts for their partner. They take their partner's interest into consideration and they ask, what else can I do for you? So they're pretty awesome. You know, everyone likes having givers around because they think of others and are always happy to contribute. They understand a relationship as an opportunity to give and take care. Givers, however, often end up thinking there is something wrong with them if they're unhappy in a relationship. They think they are not lovable good enough because they have taken personal responsibility for making the relationship work rather than blaming their partners. And they can end up burned out and exhausted from continuously giving at their own cost if they do not receive the support they need in the relationship. Now, there's other category, and we're going to talk about this because we're going to put this into a, a mental health state, and that is matchers. You know, matchers tend to keep a balance sheet in any relationship. When they give, they do so with an expectation of giving something back in return. And when they receive, they feel they have to give something back. So matchers are ones who keep tabs. And once again, these are categories. These are generalistic categories. They, they, they view relationships as somewhat like a commercial transaction. They are the ones most likely to say something like, I did this for you, but you didn't do that for me. Or you paid for this, so I'll pay for that. Now, what are takers? Takers are just that. They are takers. And they usually treat people well only if and when those people can help them reach their goals. Interestingly, they often appear as the most charming, charismatic people on the surface. They know how to work the crowd. They know how to seduce. But their primary motivation is self-interest. And you can recognize a taker by how poorly they treat people and they believe uh, are of no use to them. You know you're in a relationship when a ta with a taker when you feel they suck you dry for all you have. Money, affection, time. Once the taker has everything they want they may relegate you to the unimportant sphere of their life. And among these styles, the happiest and the most successful is the giver. And who is the least? The giver. It's the same. So, you know, how is that possible? Well, givers learn to successfully navigate in a world with matchers and takers uh, very well. Everyone loves them, trusts them, supports them when they're in need. So why are givers also the least successful? Because some of them don't figure out how to navigate a world of matchers and takers. Others end up taking advantage of them. And if you're a giver, you've probably been out there at least once professionally uh, uh, and personally in a way that has been very uncomfortable. You know, imagine a relationship between a giver and a taker. It may end with the giver completely worn out, having perhaps spent their time, energy on someone who's demanding even more. 
And the taker also hardly ever provides for a partner's needs unless they do so temporarily because it behooves them at the time. So what makes a successful giver? Well, you know, some that stand out is is the the uh, the givers are people who balance their energy. When you navigate a, a romantic relationship, friendships, business partnerships, investigate which category of your potential partner belongs to that situation. You can deal with matchers and takers by trying to adopt a, a matcher-like attitude. Start speaking in terms of, okay, so we agree. You will do this in exchange and I will do that. That means that you integrate some of the matcher's skills into you. Now, the taker is another thing. You want to navigate some of their skills. That means be willing to accept without giving back. You just simply say thank you. Thank you. It's like getting a compliment. You just say thank you. You don't have to say, no, I'm not that. That tells how insecure you are. And that's the one of the biggest problems with givers and takers. You can read them right off the bat because they can't take a compliment from anybody. And, you know, the best thing you could possibly do in this life when you get a compliment is say thank you. And that's it. Then you take the, the, the burden of having the person giving you a compliment have to work even harder to give you a compliment. You know, imagine a relationship in which both partners always care for each other's needs. When there is a fight, both are quick to offer apologies. Both live with their lives with their partner's best interest in mind. So if you can recognize yourself as a matcher or taker, congratulations on being so honest with yourself. But of course, you need to also look at that and see if you are truly living in that category or if you can integrate giver and taker qualities. You know, givers are the ones who end up being most successful and happy if they watch out for people taking advantage of them. And that means your life is about giving, but that means you have to have a gift worth giving. And that means you have to do hard things in your life and you have to complete tasks in your life and you have to do things for yourself in order to be sought after to give the things that people need, not the things that people want. And as a giver, you have to understand the difference between needs and wants. Givers just give. Now at work, according to conventional wisdom, highly successful people have three things in common, motivation, ability, and opportunity. And if we want to succeed, we need a a combination of hard work, talent, and luck. Um, But there is a fourth ingredient, and that one's critical but often neglected. Success depends heavily on how we approach our interactions with other people. Every time we interact with another person at work, we have a choice to make. Do we claim as much value as we can, contribute value without worrying about what we receive in return? You know, takers have a distinctive signature. They like to get more than they give. They tilt uh, reciprocity in their own favor, putting their own interests ahead of others' needs. Takers believe that the world is a competitive dog-eat-dog place. They feel that to succeed, they need to be better than others. To prove their competence, they self-promote and make sure they get plenty of credit for their efforts. Garden variety takers aren't cruel or cutthroat. They're just cautious and self-protective. And if I don't look out for myself first, takers think no one will. So in the workplace, givers are relatively rare breed. They tilt reciprocity in the other direction, preferring to give more than they get. Whereas takers tend to be self-focused, evaluating what other people can offer them. Givers are other focused, paying more attention to what other people need from them. So these preferences aren't really about money. 
Givers and takers aren't distinguished by how much they donate to charity or the compensation they command from their employers. Rather, givers and takers differ in their attitudes and their actions towards other people. So if you're a taker, you help others strategically when the benefits to you outweigh the personal costs. If you're a giver, you might use a different cost-benefit analysis. You, you help whenever the benefits to others exceed the personal costs. Alternatively, you might not think about the personal costs at all, helping others without expecting anything in return. And if you're a giver at work, you simply strive to be generous in sharing your time, energy, knowledge, skills, ideas, con- connections with other people who can benefit from that. Now, that, if that gives you gas, if that makes you feel better and gives you energy, that's a wonderful thing because that's a very kind person. But once again... Givers, you got to take care of yourself too. Giving, taking, and matching are three fundamental style, styles of social interaction, but the lines between them aren't hard and fast. So you might find that you shift from one reciprocity style to another as you travel across different work roles and relationships. And it wouldn't be surprising if you act like a taker when negotiating your salary and a giver when mentoring someone less experienced than you, and that's called balance. Matchers when sharing expertise with a colleague. You know, evidence shows that at work, the vast majority of people develop a primary reciprocity style, which captures how they approach most of the people most of the time. And this primary style can play as much of a role in our success as hard work, talent, and luck. So, you know, let's do, let's, we're going to take another look at pleasing, and that's changing the title of giver to pleasers, and there is a difference. So tune in and listen. We're going to take a quick break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. 
Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're t- we just finished talking about givers. Now we're moving into pleasers, you know, and you have to look at yourself. Am I a pleaser? And on the surface of it, wanting to please people is very admirable and a very pleasant trait. And the one that you surely would win you friends and respect and increase your popularity, your confidence as a result. However, as with anything, it is important to aim to please only in moderation. And if you find yourself aiming to please in excessive degree, then you're going to be damaging yourself in a number of ways. So, you know, pleasing can be a disease. And in excess, it can become an addiction that eventually results in your neglecting your own needs and wants and ironically losing the respect of people who are tr- who you're trying to please. You know, so let's here you will take a look at why and it's not always a good thing to be a people pleaser and how you can go about resolving this problem. So are you a pleaser? First of all, you need to be able to identify the problem whether you're in, indeed a pleaser or not. At what point do you go from being generous and kind to to people please? And that is the, the, the line that you have to differentiate. You're, let, here's some ingredients. You're always back down from arguments. That means you're afraid of conflict. You don't raise your gripes or concerns with people. You stifle and stuff them. And probably when you do display your anger, it comes out as rage because you've bottled it up for so long. And that's called passive aggressive. Um, you'll go out of your way to, to please people even when it ends up doing damage to your own situation and negatively affects you. Or you take little time for yourself. Or uh, if you're a pleaser, you, you might put yourself financially out of pocket as a result of your desire to please. Or you have a lot of one-sided relationships in which the other party seems to gain more than you. Another ingredient is you rarely say no to requests when people take advantage of your good nature. You know, so why is this a bad thing? So if you are part Mother Teresa in all your relationships, how is that a bad thing? Well, actually, it's bad in several ways. First of all, it's bad for you. And, And if you are constantly making sure that everyone else is happy, then you're likely to be neglecting your own needs. And if you constantly go out of your way to help other people with things, then you really have spent much time making yourself unhappy. Likewise, if you you constantly spend money on others, then this can hurt your pocket. You know, more to the point, though you won't actually be likely uh, getting what you want out of all your gregarious behavior, most people who are people pleasers, of course, do this because they want to be accepted. They want to be liked. 
And usually they want respect and they think this is going to buy it for them. However, the reality is often, unfortunately, that they in fact lose respect from being so giving. People see people pleasers as pushovers, doormats, and, and these people have no backbone. And thus, they, they tend not to think highly of those kind of people or to respect them. And often the behavior can be misinterpreted as being manipulative or creepish. And, and we often don't trust people who seem to be too eager to please. And at worst, people pleasers can uh, come across as cowardly. And for those reasons, we tend to view people pleasers negatively. And this can make it difficult for them to get what they want in their relationships. What's really weird is narcissistic people love pleasers. And so what they do in relationships, especially in, a, in a, like a marriage, they tend to control everything. They, can, they control the money. They control everything in the relationship. And the pleaser is there to please them. So they, they, they make the pleaser feel guilty because they don't have anything that they're responsible for that actually operates the life. You know, the money, the owning the home, doing, doing all kinds of things to support the family. But they make the pleaser do everything and uh, out of guilt. And, and so it, there's a huge power differential in those kind of relationships. Because the people pleaser never shows themselves to be annoyed or frustrated, this means that others don't consider their feelings or views. And they know that person will never be angry, so they consider their opinions important. They don't consider them important. What they do is they take advantage of them, and they take advantage of their predicted reaction. You know, people pleasers also open themselves up to abuse, manipulation, and are obvious targets for people to take advantage of. Thus, it's it's not unusual for people pleasers to find themselves in abusive relationships and being taken advantage of in general. And finally, it's not healthy psychologically to be a people pleaser, as it means you're constantly suppressing your views and your desires. And this means that you're constantly having to bury your anger, your frustration, your sadness, rather than express it. And that, in turn, means that those emotions are never dealt with properly or healthily. Now, there are some causes of pleasers. There are many causes of pleasing behavior. In short, often it comes from codependence, codependent people mixed with low self-esteem. You know, you can't stand the idea of being alone, and yet you're low enough in self-esteem that you don't think people will want to be with you unless you're completely bending at their will at all times. And this means that you bend over backwards to be compliant and accommodating in fear that the slightest disagreement will cause people to leave you, to break off their relationship and friendship with you, and that this will leave you on your own path. And that's an attachment problem. This low self-esteem and codependence can stem from many things. And this might be a result of an upbringing where your own needs and desires were not met, or considered, or where you had uh, particularly sensitive, in some cases, people-pleasing can just come from an overactive superego. And this part of your psyche, which which is uh, responsible for your concerns and social behavior for suppressing baser desires and from having too much sensitivity and empathy. Thus, you might not have low self-esteem, but you're simply too tuned into your feelings of others and can't stand the thought of upsetting other people. And that's just how some people are built in their childhood. They, they, they're just hypersensitive, emotional people. But that doesn't is no excuse to live the life of an empty, 
person who is a pleaser. So some, here's some solutions. If you're a pleaser, then you need to start to take care of your, take your life back. And to do this, you need to practice being more assertive. You need to improve your self-esteem and, and you need to become more independent. You know, so we'll, we'll t- take a look at this. You know, you, first you want to assess your situation. Before you can move forward, you need to get a handle on the problem as it is. So don't put off thinking about it or making excuses for yourself. Instead, try making a list of, of the last few times you engaged in people-pleasing behavior and then think about how you could do this differently. At some time, it's important to examine your boundaries and at what point do you consider others taking advantage of you? And should you move these lines to be less tolerant? Now, let me tell you boundaries. Boundaries is learning how to say no to anything that hurts you, that takes away from you. So, boundaries are simple. No. I'm not talking about making no an emotional thing like, no, 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 I, no, I can't do that. That means there's a yes underneath it because you're putting so much energy into it. And that's the first sign of a pleaser or a giver is that they are too emotional in saying no. No is best delivered as flat and straight. That means they only have the word to, to deal with and not the interpretation. No. And then they go, but, 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 no means no. This is what it does to me. It's too much. I can give you this, but I can't give you that. You know, you, you just have to put balance in there, guys. It's not that hard. You know, to break the cycle, if you have constantly practiced people-pleasing behavior, then you'll not have uh, any evidence to suggest that it's okay or say no or be unpleasant. You don't understand what saying no can mean. You know, one way to break out of the cycle is to simply face yourself on, on one occasion and be to be disagreeable, actually become disagreeable for a purpose, and that is to learn how to set boundaries. And achieving this will demonstrate that you are able to speak up and be yourself and that repercussions aren't that bad. You know, pick a scenario in which the stakes aren't that high. And then practice being awkward or stubborn or just unpleasant. You know, for instance, try complaining next time you have a bad meal. If you ever see that person again and you won't have to deal with the consequences, alternatively, next time, if you're asked a favor by by a a fringe friend or a relative who uh, you know won't leave you, you try saying no. You know, somebody that's fairly loyal to you. Try saying no and see what they do. Or if you're going uh, to see a film with, with friends, then try to argue about what what you're going to see just to get yourself heard. And what you're going to learn is that no one is going to immediately drop you as most people are just as reliant on their own relationships and will give you lots of chances before you lose interest. You know, if it's the only reason people argue is trust, guys. And, and so... Just putting your opinion out there, I would prefer to see this movie. I would prefer to do this. I would like to do this. This is what I would like. Nobody's going to be offended by that. You know, practice letting people down. You just don't have to be horrible. You know, you're not a horrible person by doing that. Saying no and stopping people pleasing doesn't have to be something that loses you friends. If you're careful about how to put it, for instance, if you're invited out, Don't just say, no, I don't want to go. Try saying, I've been very busy this week and I really just need to take some time out for myself. Or if someone asks you to help them move, you know, their home, 
say, I'm sorry, I want to help, but at this moment, my schedule is too busy. I just don't have the time to do it. Don't make up specific excuses. You don't have to make up specific excuses. Just let them know that there is no room for you to do that kind of thing. You know, one great way to get out of people-pleasing behavior is try asking for something in return. For instance, if someone asks you to help them to move their home, just will say yes, but actually, could you help me out with something as well? So if you want to help them, say yes, go help them move, but you got to get something in return. And then uh, that, you know, maybe you need to be driven to a party or maybe somebody needs to take you somewhere, but at least that helps and that is a reciprocal relationship, which is healthy. You know, asking for something, even in fact, after your lifetime of servitude, you're likely to be owed many favors. So try cashing them in. Uh, on a few people without prompting. Next time you need a favor, don't be afraid to ask and let people know uh, that you need their help. The other thing is tell people. Letting a few people close to you know that you're struggling with people-pleasing behavior will mean that you have some people on your side who can help advise you who will be more understanding when you take some time out for yourself. You know, uh, the other thing is you want to reassess relationships. You know, if you're a people pleaser, then you're likely to be in several relationships that are somewhat one-sided. And these are leeches who take advantage of your generosity and sensitivity. And if they aren't doing anything in return, then, then you aren't benefiting from the relationship. And maybe it's time to cut things off. You know, a common behavioral pattern that you, I see over and over again among people who are unable to, uh, to lose weight or manage their health is the people pleaser. They have a lot of trouble taking care of themselves. They live very unhealthy lives, sometimes both physically and mentally. You know, a people pleaser is one of the nicest, most helpful people you know. They, they, they never say no. And you can always count on them for a favor. In fact, they spend a great deal of time doing things for other people. They get their work done. They help others with work. They make all the plans. They're always there for family members and friends. And, you know, if this is a good thing, unfortunately, it it just is an unhealthy pattern. So you have to ask, why am I a pleaser? And typically, the, the intense need to please and care for others is deeply rooted in either a fear of rejection or a fear of failure. Fear of rejection is the underlying feeling that if I don't do everything I can to make this person happy, they might leave or stop caring for me. Fear of rejection can come from early relationships in which love was conditional or in which you were rejected or abandoned by a a very important person in your life or like a parent left or was emotionally unavailable or, or inconsistently available. Fear of failure is an underlying feeling that if I make a mistake, I will disappoint people and be punished. So fear of failure can arise from very early experiences with severe punishment for even the smallest mistakes. So people who had highly critical parents May in your life uh, be doled out the criticism that may no longer be in your life. However, you live in that sense of being hypercritical or criticized. And in, this develops a, an anxiety and an emotion that can live on for, for a very long time. And to deal with that anxiety, we do everything we can to get things right, to finish the job, to make sure everybody's happy. And once again, that comes from overcritical, hypervigilant parents, regardless of the origins, consistently putting others' needs above your own can develop into 
you know, some really bad consequences. Number one, neglect of yourself. People peasers devote very little time to taking care of their own health. Their efforts towards taking care of others usurps time they need to de-stress, plan healthy meals, and as a result, they may be more prone to health problems, and it may take years off their life because they don't take care of themselves. In some regards, it can be considered a suicidal lifestyle. However, you cannot do this at the expense of yourself. A balance is needed. Consider that taking care of yourself makes you better equipped to take care of others by giving you the energy and the vitality to do it even better than you are now. Imagine you're driving a Red Cross truck delivering food and water in a hurricane to hurricane victims. But if, if you're in such a hurry to get to every single victim... You don't stop once in a while to refuel the truck, and eventually you'll be stalled on the side of the road helping no one. So think of the time you put into exercise, de-stressing, eating healthy as your fuel stops. Also, passive aggression is another strong sign of a giver or a pleaser, and uh, which is basic resentment. So over time… They're, they're likely to find themselves silently angry at people in their life, and they, they desire to be, you know, the desire to be kind will suppress that anger, but unexpected anger often turns into passive aggression. So, with passive aggressive, uh, they make, these people make uh, sarcastic jokes, uh, sharp comments, make subtle actions that let little of their negative feelings seep out, you know, um, Make matters worse, mounting resentment and the biggest destroyer of relationships. So communicating your feelings is the only way to avoid resentment, although it requires that taking the risk that other person might not be happy to hear that you're upset or may not take the responsibility for what has upset you because you never sent the signal. And, and the deal is that people that are pleasers oftentimes repress a lot of things. And in relationships, they have sexuality issues because their self-esteem is so low. Um, or maybe they resent their partner and so they take something that they want away, which is sex or something like giving compliments or whatever their love language is, which is an absolute need. All right, we're going to take another quick break. We're going to continue to talk about pleasers a little bit and then I'm going to give you a lot of good tips on how to stop being a giver or a pleaser. Come right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. The Compassionate Life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. 
Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're going to talk about pleasers a little bit more here. And, you know, the problem with pleasing is they have a reduced ability to enjoy other people and activities. That's because they're not fully present. You know, they're always caught up in giving which means they're they're externally involved rather than internally involved. That means that if they're sitting at their son's baseball game or sitting in an activity that is important to their children or their spouse or, or someone that loves them, uh, oftentimes they're not available. They're just there. And their level of engagement with an activity or a person is impossible to hide. But, you know, you got to think if you're a pleaser, what message are you sending your loved ones by – being present but not engaged. Being present but disengaged is not better than being absent. You know, by attending less frequent, you know, other people's events and recharging yourself in the intern, that would be a lot better way to have enjoyment and, and fulfillment in your life, to be actually there, active and engaged participant with the people that love you rather than wiped out and worried about acceptance. You know, stress and depression also comes with pleasers. The definition of stress is having more demands than you can handle. People pleasing can turn into a vicious cycle of chronic stress and unhealthy behaviors. So if you have a constant feeling like you're too busy or you're doing everything for everyone else but yourself, you might be stuck in the cycle. You know, stress and depression can be medicated. But that doesn't break the process. So if you, you, you're pulling out of the cycle, seems overwhelming, identify one small place that you can start. Identify one responsibility you have taken on that you can cancel or you can delegate or you can free up some time for yourself. Work from there. Find one person in your life to share your plan with and ask them if they can help you implement it because you need help. Also, you know, being taken advantage of by always saying yes to requests or favors, people may begin to take advantage of your kindness and asking for more, and, and that's unreasonable. Even worse, you may, you may become a target uh, of uh, an ex, uh, exploitive people because they will quickly see that you can't say no and they'll take as much from you as they can. Even people who are generally not exploitive may actually take advantage because they don't realize that you're overtaxing yourself and have difficulty understanding where your boundaries are because you have not set any. Either way, requests from people will become overwhelming. So, you know, you will be treated by the way you treat yourself. So, if someone takes advantage of you, it is only not only their fault, it is your fault. 
And you've got to teach them how to respect you. And that's to say no and have respect for yourself. Once you've established this, sticking to it can be very important. So, you know, the other challenge is that everyone is used to you saying yes. They may feel disappointed or angry because you begin to say no. But it's extremely important to ignore those feelings of guilt. You deserve to take care of yourself. It's, it's nothing to ever feel guilty about. And you just may let them know that you have struggled for many years as a pleaser and you're trying to get through this. And stop and get balance to your life because you're overtaxed. You know, so uh, people pleasing comes in a lot of forms. You know, there's business leaders out there that lose sleep because they're afraid of conflict. And and, uh, I've seen parents struggle to maintain order in their homes because they didn't want their kids to be mad at them. You know, there are reasons for trying to make people happy vary. But, you know, for some, you know, it's a learned behavior that originates in childhood. For others, the attempt to make everyone happy stems from the desire to be polite. So if you tend to say yes to things that you don't want to or you avoid speaking up because you don't want to upset anybody, here's some things you need to remember. You're, you're, you aren't responsible for other people's emotions. I am not responsible for how you feel. If someone says, you make me feel this, say, I don't make you feel anything. You choose to feel that way, and that is your responsibility. I am not responsible for your feelings. Whether you tend to do everything your partner wants or you strive to make your coworkers like you, your people-pleasing efforts may mean that you're taking on too much responsibility. Everyone is in charge of their own emotions, and you can't make anyone feel anything. It's up to other people to cope with uncomfortable feelings like a disappointment or anger. It's not your job to protect them from those things. Never, ever take emotional responsibility for other people's feelings. People pleasers are easily manipulated, and you can often spot a people pleaser a mile away. And the more an individual says yes to requests, the more things are asked of them. So people pleasers come from uh, as easy targets. So someone may ask favors of them by saying things like, I hate to ask you this, but, or I, I wouldn't ask anyone else, but you're such a good friend. You know, that's a, that's a setup. That's a setup. And whether you feel guilted into doing something or you feel honored that you've been entrusted with a favor, you may be easily manipulated when others know that your primary goal is to please people. Also, your choices will always be unfavorable for some people. There isn't a single decision, product, or service that will please everyone. Just look at the product reviews. One person says in an item that's the best thing they ever had. Another person may say the product was was a complete ripoff. Well, if you're looking at life and acceptance, please understand something. Uh, Very often, people do not think about you, not even your children, not even your husband. Very often, even your parents, your siblings, they don't think about you that much. I know you think they do, but they don't. And they often only think about you when... They're talking to you or when you're available or when something's coming up where you might be involved. And so, you know, as a pleaser, you have to understand that you have to have boundaries and and that pleasing other people doesn't buy you time, doesn't buy you time in their brain. Um, You know, your choices may be unfavorable, but they're your choices and that's what defines your character. Even personal decisions that don't affect others may become a target for scrutiny. Your mother may weigh in on your decision to accept a new job or your friends may express dissatisfaction about your your relationship. While you might want to take their wisdom in, 
consider, you know, your job is not to make them happy. Your job is to make decisions that are best for you and you and your family. Or, uh, you know, people pleasing, often they try to please people and it drains their resources. And trying to please everyone will rob you of mental strength. The more you think about whether someone is going to be upset or how how to phrase your decision in a way that isn't offensive, the fewer resources you'll have to devote to the decisions that matter the most. So worrying, ruminating, rehashing conversations won't help you get anywhere. If you spent the time and energy being productive, you'd accomplish more. And so stop worrying about what everybody thinks. You know, attempting to please others is actually a little bit selfish, but one of the most common reasons that people say that they can't say no is because they don't want to appear selfish. But in reality, the need to always be liked is a bit selfish. Saying yes to things that you don't want to do will cause you to feel resentful, and that will damage your relationship. Setting healthy boundaries and preserving the relationship. But even at the risk, someone may get angry, and that that, that makes you far less selfish. You know, think about this. You know, being selfish is not a bad thing when it comes to being healthy. If you want to call being healthy selfish, then call it that. But being healthy is important because that is how you're able to be available and that's how you're able to contribute and that's how you're able to give. You know, you want to stay true to your values. People pleasing can become a habit that causes you to lose sight of your values. Learning to tolerate people being upset with you can be hard, but it's essential at reaching your goals. Your words, your behavior must be in line with your beliefs before you can truly be authentic. And authenticity is the likely key to becoming your best self. So, some things that you want to think about and how to stop. How to stop. You know, what many people pleasers don't realize is that people pleasing has very serious risks. And essentially, you can make yourself sick from doing too much. If you're overcommitted, you're probably getting less sleep and getting more anxious and more upset and you're depleting your energy resources. So, number one, you want to realize you have a choice. People pleasers often feel like they have to say yes when someone asks for their help. Remember, you always have a choice to say no. Another th- thing is is to set your priorities. Knowing your priorities and values helps you put the brakes on people pleasing and that means I can accomplish this uh, I need to do these three things, and if I don't do these three things, uh, uh, things aren't going to go well. You know, I'm going to I'm going to uh, miss out on the 80% of the most important things I need to get done. So setting priorities, you need to do put the tasks ahead of you that are going to contribute to your life and other people's lives, and you want to realize how valuable each of those priorities is to you and stand behind them. And that means saying no is purposeful, meaning I know I've got to go see my kid play play a ball game I keep focusing on that but it's just what comes to mind but you know focusing on what's important also you want to learn how to stall whenever someone asks you for a favor it's perfectly okay to say you'll need to think about it this gives you the opportunity to consider if you can commit in helping them and that means that you have boundaries that's telling them hey you know I'll consider it I I need to wait. I need to think about it. By doing that, you're saying I need to assess my time and I have respect for myself. Asking you yourself um, very simple questions. How stressful is it going to be to help this person? Uh, Do I have time to do this? What am I going to give up? How pressured am I going to feel? Am I going to be upset with the person who's asking? 
you know, if the person needs an answer right away, your automatic answer can be no. That's because once you say yes, you're stuck. By saying no automatically, you leave yourself on option. And that says that later I could come back to it and say yes. Also, you want to set a time limit. If you do agree to help out, limit your time frame. You know, I can help you from 10 to 12. At that point, I've got to leave because I've got other things i got to get done this weekend. You know, consider if you're being manipulated also. Sometimes people are clearly taking advantage of you. So it's important to watch out for the manipulators and the flatterers. How do you spot them? Often the people who flatter you will say statements like, oh, you're so good at baking cakes. Would you make a cake for my child's birthday? Or would you cater a wedding? You know, I know how to put this bookcase together, but you're so good at this. Can you help me? You know, that that giving you flattery is a way to manipulate you. And, you know, the, a classic line is, nobody does this better than you. Or, you know, they're... They'll either coax you into doing something or try to tell you what your availability is or what your time frame is. And so basically, before you know it, they'll make the decision for you. That's because they know you're a pleaser or a giver. You Also, you want to create a mantra. Figure out a mantra you can say to yourself to stop you from people-pleasing. It can be a visual, simply saying no, f- uh, flashing when a certain friend can always talk you into something or approaches you. You know, say no with conviction. First, no to anyone is always the hardest. And that doesn't mean emotional no. That means a flat, simple, straightforward no. No. And you want to practice that. No. <laughs> you, you know, uh, you also may want to add an, an empathetic uh, assertion. Some people initially think that assertive means stepping all over people. Instead, Assertiveness means you're able to speak to your emotions. You know, I'm really sad about this, or I'm really angry, or I'm really upset. That means you're able to be assertive by stating your emotions rather than demonstrating them like passive-aggressive people do, or, or by uh, creating a lot of uh, momentum in your movement. If, it, you know, if it's hard for you to be emotional and you have to demonstrate emotion and you have to stomp and raise your voice and act crazy, that's very sad. You know, assertiveness is state your emotions with your language. Use emotions in your language without getting all crazy with it. You know, you want to also consider, is it really worth it? You know, you want to weigh the pros and cons. Is it really worth it to help this person? And uh, you also don't want to give a whole bunch of excuses. You know, it's, it's tempting to want to defend your decision to say no to someone so they understand your reasoning. But this actually backfires because they'll, they'll start making excuses for you to help them. They'll find wiggle room to make you help them. And so you're just setting up another argument where you have to say no again and again and again. You don't want to get into that scenario. You know, also, if you're not good at setting boundaries, you want to start very small. You know, uh, it's very important to instead of uh, barging into, you know, someone like your boss's office to ask for a raise, talk with the immediate supervisor first and how to prepare and talk. Take steps to be careful. You know, if it's not your fault also, and this is what pleasers often do and givers, they uh, apologize things for not what's not their fault. They tend to be serial apologists. They pay attention to when you're apologizing and consider if you're really at fault. Because if you're taking responsibility for something that's not yours, that's not a good thing. You know, you, you want to remember that saying no has benefits. And uh, you also don't want to be scared of the fallout. That's their problem. 
And the other thing is you want to learn how to self-soothe, like being a, a, telling yourself that you're a good person and you're really trying to do good things. All right. That's our show. I hope it was a constructive show. Our next show is The Influence of Smell. I want to thank everyone for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now, remember, pleasing everyone is impossible, but pissing people off is a real piece of cake. Also, if you want to please a woman, listen to her, buy her jewelry, take her to dinner, love her, die for her. And if you want to please a man, show up naked and bring a beer. Thanks, everybody, for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back.